How are you? Good, thanks. Nice to see you. And you. You can hear me okay, it seems like. I can, absolutely. Am I all right? Am I loud? Oh, yeah. Perfect. Perfect. You sound, okay, you good. sound great. Great. I'm just going to adjust the level here and then... Uh... Got my little microphone set up here. Yeah, it's a good setup. It's a good setup. So do you just have a uh, flat background behind you and the ring light and all that? This you... is a carpeted wall. Oh, okay. Beautiful. I'm in my, I'm in my garage, which we converted into yeah. a mini studio. Yeah. So to my left is a green screen and to my right is my makeup station. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, this is the microphone that I've been recording my EP and any tracks that I've been making uh in my garage Perfect. so that's why the walls are carpeted oh that's <laughs> that's such a brilliant idea though because sound absorption is such a problem sometimes right and it's exactly. a lovely look it's a great alternate it look yeah saves saves me buying bits of paper yeah <laughs> <laughs> or agonizing over what green screen look to use right yeah <laughs> like this is my I, I have i did get a green screen set up because i'm going to do some other stuff uh with uh -huh. it you know because also we're going to be home for a while that's clearly the deal. Um, you know, hey, listen, I got to say, at least America's beating you guys. We're one and three in L.A., so try oh my try and God. catch us now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wanna, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody, somebody said, actually, um, per 100,000 deaths, we are the world leader. So, you know, uh, Boris was right. We are the world leader in all kinds of things. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. That's, that's right. Yeah. And as long as we find the stats that fit our aim. Everything's all right. Yeah, great, yeah. brilliant. Yeah, it's like it's like the thing we're like, well, no, no, but not on that chart, but on this chart. <laughs> it's exciting, exciting that you have a new EP coming out. Yeah, I mean, well, it was a it's a Christmas EP, so I'd written it specifically for my show that was supposed to happen in December. Oh yeah, 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 right. And then obviously that didn't happen, <laughs> but I did make a Christmas special, so I'd also done like a, a full hour of Christmas shit um <laughs> which uh is on fruit tv which is in canada it's called out tv and they've just launched in the uk so it's a new little streaming thing oh yeah for, uh for queer tv i like fruit tv it's very subtle i can't quite figure it out what i don't know it? what they're talking about yeah i know what is it like a, a vegan something yeah it's something to do with <laughs> <laughs> oh before i forget i should do your intro i always like to do that after we chat a little bit uh, what are you enjoying in there? A nice cup of tea? I, I have a... Yeah, uh, it's a berries, some kind of berry fruit tea. Sure. I have just some standard... Actually, Yorkshire Gold, I got it in the mail a little while ago. It's my favorite. This and PG Tips, honestly, are my Yeah, come on. Favorite. Come yeah. on, Yorkshire. <laughs> you can't quite get anything uh, that lives up to that over here. Twining's obviously is good, but for some reason, I don't care for that as much as the Yorkshire Gold. Yeah, I, I, you know, honestly, I don't think the tea that you guys get is um... official real tea. That's <laughs> <laughs> there's the tea. <laughs> yeah, 
I figured I'd take this thing out of you having to say it. As an English person, I know that you feel bad for us Americans in many ways. And that's just one of many. Thankfully, my parents are Canadian, so I was exposed to actual property very young. And I didn't quite understand when I would hear people uh, from British rock bands. It was kind of a legendary thing in interviews. About 20 minutes in, they'd say, well, the only thing that is a drag about being on tour is you can't get a proper cup of tea. And I was like, why is that? And then when I started to go around the country a little bit, it's like, oh, right. It's better now, but it's still not very good. No, no. That and uh, some of your cheese is... (laughs) Do you mean the orange cheese? I found that English folks are particularly disgusted by the orange cheese. Good. Yeah, it like, no, it's horrendous. (laughs) Because we like here it's Wensleydale. Oh yeah. But because it has to be made there. So yeah. and then like when you guys call it cheddar, it's <laughs> that is not cheddar cheese. Okay, so there is cheddar because this is something I don't think I thought about before. Is cheddar a classification of cheese in England as well? Um, not in the same way as Wensleydale. So Wensleydale is like a place, you know, like oh, okay. Cornish pasties now have to be made in Cornwall for them to be called Cornish pasties. It's like champagne. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Which actually is, tastes like shit. I'd much rather have, you know, a nice sparkling Riesling or something. Um, but uh, yeah, cheddar isn't the same as that. So it can be made anywhere. But I mean, it, our cheddar is very different to American cheddar. That's, you know. Okay, well, I'm going to have to have some cheddar the next time I'm over because I have to see uh, what it is. Because there are some good, uh, I'll say some good oh. cheddars here. However, I know what you're talking about. And also the um, plastic looking stuff. Do you all have that equivalent over there? Do you know what I mean? Like those uh, awful slices that Velveeta, not, it's not Velveeta. What are they? Craft. Dairy Lee here. Yeah, oh, Dairy Lee. Right, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we do have we do have that abomination in this country. <laughs> yes. They've been I don't know if you've seen, they've been uh, passing out these um lunch uh oh, hampers yes. for kids here. Yeah. And and you know, for a full 3 weeks of lunch, they've given them like eight slices of Dairy Lee, which I mean, if anybody if anybody has ever made a sandwich with one slice of Dairy Lee, you know, you're you're just a hop, skip and a jump from the workhouse there, aren't you? Come on, Oliver Twist. Mm-hmm. I want some fucking more. <laughs> I saw those things and without reading the caption, I thought, oh, so someone found some hostages food. That's what I thought. And it really looked like a goof. And like the apples that looked unhealthy. And everything looked just sickening. Uh, sickly. Bad. Sickly, not sickening. Forgive me. Yeah. Sickening. Did you see those ch- kids' lunches? Sickening. Yes, queen. Sickening. <laughs> yes, lunch parcel. Yes. Come through, lunch hamper. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Come through bread parcel. I, I think the stuff they would give to Lay the, yeah. <laughs> the house down decanted pasta shells. Yes! Dairy Lee, mama. Dairy Lee. <laughs> I saw her when I was over on my trip to London. I'm looking forward to seeing her latest later latest works when I come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that keen on her act. I find it a bit cheesy. Uh, oh, Boom. hey. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be in my garage all afternoon <laughs> and probably for the foreseeable future until we get this vaccine uh, sorted out. <laughs> do you like Do you like where you live, though? Because I find that I'm quite thankful to be in a place, in an apartment I love. So 
Uh, well, yeah, we were we were in an apartment. Um, so three of us and a dog in an apartment. <laughs> That's like a sitcom. Two, I mean, yeah, for real. Uh, three queers and a, a hound. Um, <laughs> in what a kind, two what bed kind apartment. of hound? Sorry, is it a hound or like oh, a? And, yeah, no, he's he's a, a a cavapoo. So he's tiny and fluffy. Three queers and a cavapoo, right? That's. <laughs> That's the one. Yeah. Sure, we're all isolated, but it's forcing us to be inspired. When I need my next title for an album, I'm coming straight to (laughs) you. Please do. Please do. (laughs) I mean, I could have pondered that for the next week and a half and still not come up with that. Sometimes when you're too close to the source material, you know what I mean? It happens to all of us. It happens to all of us. But you were in an apartment with three queers and a cavapoo. Yeah. Yeah. Three of us, the cavapoo... All of my drag. Oh, fab, yeah. Yeah, all of the drag, which was literally holding the bed up, like the, the mattress was being held up by all the suitcases of drag, and then the wigs were all in a bag at the end of the bed, and it was horrendous. And then trying to make work in the flat. Oh, yeah. With everybody else, you know, just absolute nightmare. So we moved kind of halfway through the pandemic, um, through the first lockdown, um, sure. The, the, the good old moved. days. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Back when it was still fresh. <laughs> and fun. <laughs> <laughs> so we moved to a townhouse and it is so much better here uh, just because we've got some outside space. Yeah. So now I'm able to exercise outside um, without everybody looking at me and watching <laughs> and right. going, oh, look, there she is, that dirty queer off the telly. <laughs> oh, Vile. She can't even run for three minutes at a time. Lazy, slobby cow. Look how winded. Winded. I I mean, for real. Yeah. I I was the wind in the willows. Like, for real. I had to move a bunch of stuff uh, out of the apartment. I did a deep clean halfway through this whole thing. And that also included all the cardboard that was out on my balcony Uh, because during the first lockdown, I just would sort of semi-sterilize stuff if I had the right equipment. You know, or like because there were shortages, then just throw the packages out on the balcony. And then I didn't want to deal with it. So there was a shame balcony. So then anyway, all of that got taken care of. The balcony looks lovely right now, listeners. But everything then was dropped off the balcony so I could take it around the back. So that was a long process of like dropping it off, going around the front and then, you know, everything. And I was like like lightly winded for a second. And I thought, oh, I don't really move much anymore, like at all. So there's that. Not that I was like doing decathlons or something like that beforehand. It was, you know, mostly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, this is the thing. I'd always been quite fit, really. You know, I'd always been dancing or I'd been sure. exercising. You know, I'd always been quite fit. Yeah. And then when we'd done the Drag Race tour, I'm pretty sure I'm patient zero <laughs> for the UK. <laughs> I am pretty sure because December, I have not been that sick for probably 10 years yeah. you know i was really really sick um the last time i was that sick swine flu was going around <laughs> right yeah you know it was that bad um and then since then i've just been like if i'd done any exercise i was totally wiped out for like the next three days oh wow okay so yeah um it's more than likely you know because i and let me guess when you got sick in december you thought I've just been working too much. I mean, I'm I'm running myself into the ground, right? What am I doing? You know, there's other things in life besides career. And listen, if you're dead, you can't enjoy it. Was it that whole number going through your mind? 
Because <laughs> I had that after uh, DragCon. I don't know what if I had it. I don't know what happened, but I got I got real I, sick with an ulcer, and then something else. It was like a flu that wouldn't go away. Uh, I, I don't know what the fuck it was, and no one. I, you know, we'd started to hear things about the thing, but we didn't know. So I, I do not know, but that's what was going through my mind. I was like, you got to slow down. You're traveling too much. And well, I mean, there's no traveling now. So And and here we are. We exactly. have slowed down yeah. and stopped traveling so much. <laughs> so and we, now we wish we could. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we've accomplished our goals, right? So of, uh, not of uh, slowing down. I've, I've definitely slowed down. <laughs> so when you moved house, uh, did you move towns? Uh, only only kind of across town. So we we're kind of adjacent to town. We're no longer in town because the flat was like 10 minutes walk from town. Now we have to get a bus. So I am we have this phrase in the UK, a bus wanker. So now I am an official bus <laughs> bus wanker because I don't own a car. So Sure, yeah. On the bus. There you go. Nor do I, actually. Yeah, I used Gorgeous. to. Yeah, right. It's the way to be. It's the way to be yeah. these days, especially. But there's there's something, I mean, they're not very glamorous, the buses in America, but there's something that feels more glamorous about an American bus than a, a British bus. You know, British sure. buses are just misery and poverty kind of rolled into <laughs> one. Um, and, and so then there, there's nothing sort of glamorous about the idea of, oh, I'm going to get on the bus. <laughs> Woo! But see, from as a foreigner, uh, when I saw the buses, now of course I didn't take a bus because I get lost at the drop of a hat. So I was uh, be either being guided or taking too many Ubers because literally I, I never took a tube until I was there with a date, and they were like, "You have to go, you have to." And I go, "Okay, well you you have to take me because I'll get lost, proper lost and badly." But the bus is kind of um, charming and ex- exotic because it's the two decker red bus and all that. So wait, so misery and poverty, which uh, is on the top and which is on the bottom of the, uh, of the but I think the the bottom is more both mixed together. Okay, okay. And then misery and poverty light on the top. Okay, sure, yeah. sure. So uh, in a bit of perspective. Then you can look down on the people on the street. Yeah. Look at the peasants down there. <laughs> Can't even afford the bus. Peasants. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, my legs work. I can get to the top of the bus. <laughs> <laughs> They'd, it's not even that they can't afford it. They, they haven't even thought yet that this would get them to the other destination faster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's what's exactly. sad. If only they knew. I know. I know. We should keep <laughs> quiet about it, actually, because once everyone finds out, how are you going to keep them down Stop on the farm? Stop giving away the secrets. I know. I know. It's terrible. I have a bad penchant for that, which is a problem. <laughs> oh, I'm going to do your intro now. I like to do the intro like 20 minutes into the show. It's a, it's a, It resets. Okay. It's nice. Dear listeners, slide on those ruby slippers and get ready to frock, because on this episode, I'm joined by the destroyer that Boy George let get away, a singer and entertainer like no other. So, please test your whistle tones and help me welcome the fabulous Davina DeCampo! Ah! <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Now, when did you discover that you had that range? Um, well, it was actually the first time that I met my husband. He put it in and there it was. <laughs> I, That's how you know it's point, a special. Just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when did you meet your husband? 
<laughs> uh, f- 15 years ago, it was the funny that there's lots of, you know, I believe in the, um, the path that life has a bit of a path for everybody and sure. you have kind of keystones in, in your life. You'll deviate and you'll do different things, but there are these kind of key things that will happen and are meant to. Yeah. And if you're listening, then, then the world is telling you that this is, you know, the right, the right path for you. Sure. Um, so I, I had been going to this nightclub the entire of the third year, and I made myself a promise that I would double my numbers. If you know what I mean, <laughs> I'd been in a I'd been in a long term relationship. Yeah, we broke up, and I was like, okay, now's the time. I've had my first two years of university. Yeah. with this guy, now it's the time to go and. I'm going to really sow some oats and I'm hopefully going to get covered in somebody else's as well. Uh, So I was a veritable uh, field of oats by the time I'd finished my third year. So I'd been going to this gay club and he was running the the gay club. And I was walking across the car park with somebody that he knew. And he said, Oi, Mark, called him over, who I also incidentally was um, sowing some oats with at the time. Um, Very thorough. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and uh, he said to Mark, I wouldn't mind a, a bit of that. He's lovely. Um, I had a rainbow Mohican at this point as well <laughs> that sort of ran. It wasn't straight down my head. It sort of ran sideways around my head oh, nice. yeah. as if it had sort of slipped to the side. <laughs> um and Mark was like, oh, I'll, oh, I'll set you up on a date. That'll be all right, won't it? Because he was rough as hell. Uh, a really lovely guy, but, yeah. you know, he'd been in prison six times and was dealing. And I didn't know this. Like, you know, I didn't understand what was happening while I was ferrying meth amphetamines round. Really? I didn't know what was... Well, I was being the mule in my car and he was like, oh, so just going, I'll be back in a minute. Uh, and I'm like, all right then. Okay. He just has to make some... No. He just has to make some stops to check on a few people. Is that... Uh... Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, that was... I just thought, oh, he's just going to see his friends for a couple of minutes. <laughs> okay. Because so I am he checks just... in on his friends. It's so nice. <laughs> I'm just so uh, like... Uh, naive to all of that stuff that yeah. it just never even crossed my mind. Sure. Which I don't know why. I mean, how stupid. He'd been in prison six times for a reason. <laughs> or, um, well, but then so you, know, you don't want to just jump to conclusions at the same time. And uh, it sounded like it was, uh, you said he's rough and it was a nice bit of rough is what it sounds oh, like. Oh, yeah. He's what we call uh, trade. Yeah. In, in, you know. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I have heard of the term. Yes. <laughs> we had a we had a lovely time. Um we went, all the three of us went to the cinema together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I dropped Mark back off at his house and then went to Paul's. And the rest, is, as you say, is history. Exactly. The voice was discovered. What film did you see? I think it was Batman Returns or it was, I think it was a Batman film. Okay. I'm, like, I, yeah. I feel like it was a Batman film. Yeah. But one of the kind of later ones, it wasn't the uh, Michelle Pfeiffer incarnation oh, okay. it was later than what, what was it the one with the um, schwarzenegger as mr freeze i no i think it wasn't as it, i don't feel like it was one of the campier ones oh okay yeah because that just I'd have enjoyed too perfect that more. The, yeah yeah exactly i'd have been like yes come on yeah. um uh but no no so and then ever since then uh we we've been together but the the weird thing was that was the last um, three weeks of university for me. Yeah. And I should have left three weeks earlier, but I had a chest infection. Oh, so wow. my final recital singing 
was extended for those three weeks. So I shouldn't have even been there. Isn't that funny, though, how those things happen? Like you talk about the path and and not predetermined, but there's certain things that yeah. you're like, a chest infection, obviously no one wants. But because of that, you were laid up and held back. And then you met your husband. Exactly. Yeah. And it, there's other stuff like he is Australian by birth. And one of my first toys was a kangaroo. Oh, okay. And I still have it. Yeah. Um, he uh, was born in Australia, but then moved back to the UK the year that I was born as well um so you know there's just these little things mm-hmm. that go you know it's there's something something sure. yeah something sometimes you, you can't even uh put it down uh on like you can't couldn't draw a linear line but you're like there's something here there's some kind of coincidence there's something yeah yeah what's your husband's name again paul he's called paul, paul. okay good yeah i don't think you mentioned it before i thought i forgot it and therefore i feel <laughs> no i didn't i feel you. okay i feel okay because i was like it's not mark he didn't he didn't you didn't marry mark and i say he no. but um let me just double check on that because i know you're non-binary mm. but uh i also read that you are okay with all pronouns but i want to check on that because i would not like to misgender you yeah no for me anything is fine i'm i'm not um be- because i'm less concerned with how other people perceive me um you know that doesn't affect me so much i'm i don't really care okay okay that sounds good that sounds good cuz uh every, every once in a while you know i'll make a a mistake and i'll go oh my god because you know i don't mean to but and then- i mean i had this experience um uh with a a female trans actor and it's it's when you make a deal out of it you know a bit of a deal out of it then it it's worse than just going oh so She's in the audience. She's a great actor. And we don't call actors actresses anymore. That's not a thing. Right. You know, like we've moved on from that. You know, like you, you work for the police. You're, you work for the police. Sure. Air host uh, or whatever. It's not stewardess or whatever. I I can't remember. Exactly. I don't know. But so we're not really calling actresses actresses. We're calling them actors because actually they're, they're not they're equal to. Right. So I, I said, you know, she, uh, she's uh, da, 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 this wonderful actor to the stage. And then I was like, is that right? Have I, <laughs> we'd, it is actor now, isn't it? It's not actress now. It is that, isn't it? Right. In a room full of people and Ian McKellen is sat in front of me <laughs> while I fucking hosted this thing. I was like, I want to die. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Bye. Yeah. Did Ian give a thumbs up to that by any chance? Yeah. yeah. I mean, th- uh, she was just laughing, yeah. you know, as yeah. she's coming on stage and she's like, hey, you thought you got yourself, but you didn't. But then you did. <laughs> but then you didn't. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is awful. Um, yeah. People are, you know, generally people are really forgiving about it. It just depends whether they've had a really shit day, doesn't it? I guess. I think what so. Frame well, I of think mind so. They... Uh, absolutely. And also whether uh, if you do make a mistake, I think you just, you know, cop to it and uh, people are understanding because, you know, people just people are understanding, really. That's the, yeah. a good thing. But... I mean, my husband consistently calls me the wrong name. So <laughs> complete wrong name now. Yeah, but it's consistent. Completely. Though. That's good. That's yeah. Good. Yeah. It's not always the same wrong name. Like it'll be a completely different name, but he will consistently call me the wrong name. No, you know, it'll be Jack or Stephen or Mark <laughs> or John or, you know. Now, has that that's been the, the case all the way through the relationship? Yeah, 
pretty much. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think quite often he's just thinking about the kind of life he could have had with those people instead. Sure, sure. And, and then projecting <laughs> things onto you. That's good. That's what you want. That's what you want. <laughs> How long have you two been living together? Um. Oh, wow. Uh, probably so we've been together 15 years we've probably been living together on and off for about 12 of those okay yeah yeah or more actually maybe Mm. (laughs) maybe it's more like 13 or 14 years but we've had like big breaks where we've not been living together because i've been off working or he's been doing something you know so um but yeah we've 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 definitely been uh living together for a long time actually so we've got a base in Stockport, um, but Johnny, who's our housemate, he uh, he's kind of like our surrogate. So <laughs> when we move, he also moves. Um, so this is really, this is kind of Johnny's house because we actually live in Gran Canaria. Oh, um, interesting. Okay, this is very of, complex and mysterious. I, I mean, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, Brexit was coming. We could see the, the writing on the wall. We yeah. were like, look... I don't want to retire in Brexit land. I'd quite like somewhere that's a bit warm, a bit sunny, a bit more relaxed pace of life. Maybe somewhere that nobody else is going to come and hunt me down or find me. (laughs) Um, So we bought a house in the middle of the hills. It's a cave house as well. So it's built into um, the the side of the cliff. Um, And and we moved there uh, three, four years ago. so he went home because my mum has moved out. We, it's the house that we bought is actually two like small little houses. Oh, okay, yeah. So my my mum's moved out there as well. So th- um, which actually has been good. She moved just before the pandemic hit. Oh, so, good. Yeah. So even though she's been very isolated, she's kind of been in the best place for being safe. Right, for being safe and also having a bit of land around to sort of yeah walk around exactly and all of that stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Um, So he was out there for four months this year. Mm -hmm. And in that whole time, I saw him for three days. Oh, okay. Um, Well, that helps to vary it then. And yeah, uh, how far away is that? What area again did you say? Canary? Uh, Grand Canaria. Yeah. So it's just off the coast of Morocco. So just off Africa. Wow. Okay. Amazing. Um, But from here, it's only about four hours flight. Four and a half hours flight. Yeah, from here, everything's like a long, long ways yeah. away. So anytime I hear anything, I'm like, gee, that's exotic. What that would to me means it's like, that's like 15 <laughs> yeah. hours on a plane. <laughs> what Now, yeah. when you came to the States, uh, what was your favorite spot in the States? Um, where was New York is my favorite. Yeah, sure. Just because the people are really real. If they're in a bad mood, they're in a bad mood. You know, there's no, <laughs> yeah. there's none of that Los Angeles or... Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, there's there's none of the Disneyland. Oh hi, yeah. oh I love it here. You know that passive aggressive joy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, although I, 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 coming from Massachusetts, I really loved it when I was first visiting out in LA, and everyone was just like on the surface polite. I was like, I don't need to know what's going on with them. That's fine with me because yeah. Massachusetts people can be a little bit aggressive. Yeah, which I think is probably the same with New York people. Yeah, that they, I think. They can be a bit aggressive. But actually, I like that. You know, yeah. I prefer that than than the the fakeness. Um, sure. Uh, I'm really not into fake at all. Yeah. I mean, you might have. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I got a glimpse of that on the show in our discussion for sure. I've already divested all of my honest truth <laughs> to you. This is true. Now, when, when you were on uh, Drag Race, you'd already been a seasoned pro, uh, pro at the TV game. Yeah, and that was one of the things with Drag Race. You know, I, lots of people go in with a specific agenda. They want to talk about this. They want to do that. They want to, you know, I didn't go in with an agenda apart from to be myself. For the pure fact that everything else that I'd done, it had to be very tits and teeth. Okay, we're on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, right. But the, I think the problem with being as honest as I was <laughs> was um, that I spent every night sitting in the bath crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is that catch sometimes, right? <laughs> I didn't quite shield myself as much as I probably should have done. Um, but I, and I, I think actually what you get to see on Drag Race is, is me. You know, that sure. is as much as any reality TV can boil down who somebody is. You know, it's... I'm I'm a bit a, a bit of a bitch. I'm I'm a bit shady. Sometimes I'm funny. Sometimes I'm crying. Sometimes I'm you know saying I know what I'm doing and you think I'm shit and fuck you. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I, all of those diff- different aspects of you know who I am were kind of yeah. in there, which I don't think always happens in reality TV. I think sometimes it can be quite a kind of one sided. Because, you know, they just have to boil down this story into one narrative for people. And sure. then that's all you get to see. Whereas I think because <laughs> they couldn't really build a narrative with me. <laughs> you wouldn't let them. You were holding your own and saying, no, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> She's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best way to go, though, because yeah. you often hear from queens that they regret trying to go in with one thing. Or like, for instance, Laganja had expressed uh, regret about presenting one very almost cartoonish version of herself mm. and not showing this full spectrum of her personality because yeah yeah and um and really then i think cuz I, I in a way it's a bit like you talk about your life on a podcast or something because you are you know you do have to be honest or it's not going to be you know relatable etc and every once in a while you can look back at things and go mm, god maybe i shouldn't have said that or whatever but that's better than i think the other regret right now what's the thing that you wish you hadn't said because you did make a face when i said that yeah there's a lot of things that i uh not that i i wish i hadn't said but okay. i i know that um will uh shake the apple cart Oh, no. and that's, yeah, yeah. If you ask me a question about something, I'm going to answer it honestly. And that's something that I've always done and been. Yeah. I will answer anybody's question honestly, but you have to be ready for the answer. And people aren't <laughs> always ready for the answer. So if you're tuning into something and somebody has asked me a question and you're like, I don't think I want to know the answer to this, turn it off. <laughs> listen, that's right. okay. Yeah. That's fine. It is. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely, you know, things which I've said in interviews that have upset people, um, but because they've misunderstood actually what I've said. Oh, sure, sure. And um, also when you're being asked certain questions, or I'd say most of the questions in the confessionals or whatever you want mm. to call them, A, they're kind of looking for a provocative response. Of course. And they're asking questions specifically about things that you're likely to have a, a very pointed attitude towards. Yeah. I mean, which I was 
because I'd, I'd already done so much TV, I'm super aware of that. Yeah. Um, so when they were asking things like that, uh, I was just like, that's not what I think. You know, producers have this thing where they try and boil down what you're saying and they want you to say this thing. So they say, well, how about you say something like, no, 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 no. And you're like, you have to be really aware of, you know, where the wolf is leading you because it is not towards the pasture. Yeah, right, uh, right. And it's not better so, to repeat after them. It's not better to do not do no. that. And of, course, and of course, anyone at World of Wonder listening, we're not talking about drag race because we would never talk about the behind the scenes machinations of no. the show or how the show no. runs because it's a very pure, uh, straight up organization. And we wouldn't want to ruin any of the mystery. And we're not doing any kind of tell all like they did on another show that caused the problem. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> oh, you know, no, of course, uh, I'm talking about Britain's Got Talent. Of course, we are. Of course, we are. That's what we, you know, normally that's the main uh, bulk of the people on the show are from that. Sh- you're the Britain's yeah, Got Talent. Yeah. Yeah, everyone knows that. Of course. <laughs> but it's good to go into something with that awareness because otherwise, you know, and they're just trying, people are just trying to do their jobs too. So it's not even of that course. they're being evil. Yeah. No, of course. And, you know, there's there's decisions that are made um, and things that are said on the main stage to you, which are clearly from production. You know, that's not actually what those people sitting behind that desk are actually thinking. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, just, you know, Britain's Got Talent being a case in point. They are given a very clear script of what they're supposed to say. You know, and <laughs> I've you heard can that see a lot it. about Britain's Got Talent. Yeah. You, you can see that. Yeah. As soon as they start speaking, you're like, okay, Sue's feeding this into your ear. I can see somebody <laughs> is telling you what to say, Amanda Holden. I can see it in your face. <laughs> you're not that good an actress. Actor. Oh, oh whoa. Uh oh. Thought you were all woke and stuff, and suddenly the 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 veils pulled back, and everyone everyone knows now. And, 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 uh, one moment on the show that I thought was really interesting, and now I'll switch topics to a different show, Drag okay. Race. Uh, yeah. On Drag Race, when it f- seemed like you felt that your talents were being either un- underestimated or purposely being dismissed because mm-hmm. of others' un- uncomfortability with the level of your talent. Mm-hmm. And then the frock stories happened. Yeah, it was a nice turnaround, and it must have felt rather rewarding. Yeah, I mean, um, th- there's only one person on that series that I actually knew. Oh, okay. And classed as a friend. Oh, okay. and that was the one person who consistently uh, undermined. Yeah, basically said, you know, uh, you shouldn't have won. It should have been this person. I think that there is a, a, an idea that I was just upset that, you know, at that point she's saying, oh, I wouldn't have picked you first or I wouldn't sure. have picked you for this or sure. I wouldn't have picked you for that or whatever. Um, and and that wasn't the case, you know, because every time you come off the, the runway, we all go, OK, who would you, who do you think should have won? Who yeah. do you think should have been the top? And I was never the top. Even if I'd won, I was never even near the top. Uh-huh. You know, I, sure. I was like fourth or fifth, yeah. um, which is fine. That's an opinion. But when it's every single time. It wears on. Uh, yeah. And you're the only person that I know. And you're the only person that I thought was a friend. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. then you didn't you don't even acknowledge me for three days while we're there. Mm-hmm. Well, 
you know, maybe there's something going on here. Maybe the fact that you didn't even speak to me for three days until you put me in the lineup and said, oh, you're going to be like sixth. You're closer to Scaredy Cat than you are to Crystal. How did that work out? (laughs) (laughs) Not everyone has a crystal ball, apparently. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, so I... You know, that's, I think, where some of the misunderstanding has come from. uh, People have this idea that it's just because of that one episode. It wasn't at all, you know, and it was a real buildup of stuff. I am a really patient person and I'm very resilient. And it takes a lot for me to finally say something. But then when I say something, I am going to no gloss, no sheen, no pretense. I am going to say it. Sure. Um, I was, I'm also very aware that, you know, if I go you, 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 um, that to an audience then makes you into like the aggressor. Whereas this is somebody who I've known, followed, um, shared their work, supported them, um, yeah. even them gigs. Like, yeah, I was giving you gigs. You were working in my venue. Right. Um, and then... Um, and then you're pretending that you don't know anything about me. So yeah, either, yeah. which maybe maybe you didn't. Maybe you actually didn't know anything about me. <laughs> maybe you didn't. But maybe bad eyesight, can't recognize. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Some people have face blindness. Yeah. Face blindness. Plus you had some makeup and there you go. Complete I don't mystery. know who this person is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I've never it, met you. It must be what it was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that was, you know, awkward. It was... Uh, not a favorite moment. Um, and for me, that made the, the whole experience really difficult, actually. Yeah, that can, made the whole experience really difficult. Oh, I can imagine, especially because those kind of things are always an unexpected sort of uh, dagger, really, right? Yeah, the one person that you genuinely actually know and think is a friend is not at all. <laughs> now, has that relationship... Um, gotten better at all or anything like that and post I don't think I'm on the Christmas card list <laughs> oh well you know maybe it's the new address maybe they don't have the, yeah, oh, the new address could be could See, be face- I just yeah. that's my fault isn't it that's my fault again <laughs> misunderstood See, there you go so Ooh. so it's just face blindness <laughs> plus you didn't get the new address to them everything's fine everything's fine yeah <laughs> And then also to realize something like that in the midst of, uh, even though you've been on TV a lot, a very high pressure situation. It's a lot to deal with. There's, you know, there is no other reality show like Drag Race. There is no other like that. You know, the amount that you have to do before you get there, Mm -hmm. you know, Britain's Got Talent, The Voice, all together now, you learn a song, you put your clothes on, you go and sing your song next week you'll put your clothes on and go and sing another song. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's, Drag Race is not like that. It is just uh, all of those things and having to just prepare so much and invest yeah. so much into yeah. it. So it's an incredibly pressured situation because you're looking at your bank before you leave and going, <laughs> oh God, I've got to at least get to episode six. Otherwise I'm bankrupt this year. <laughs> So yeah, it's an, an incredibly pressured situation, and and that just makes it it compounds everything. It just makes it all the worse. You know, like 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply when you live with somebody and they consistently don't put the top on the toothpaste. Yes. It's not a big thing. Right. But after a while, it becomes <laughs> like the big mountain, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. All you can do is sit and stew on that one thing. And uh, also, the person you're annoyed with or hurt by, you're seeing them every day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Plus, and then like um, you said, you're not just putting your clothes on and singing. You're taking your clothes off, putting your clothes back on again, going and standing in front of a giant industrial fan, and then going and taking your clothes off again, and then putting some <laughs> other ones back on, and then miming to a yeah. song, then going back and then learning the lyrics to like some kind of 18-minute suite that they've written for you, and then going home and taking your clothes off again. So that's a lot of yeah. on and off. There's, there's a lot. There's just, I mean, Drag Race is just a lot for yeah. anybody. You yeah. know, it's just a lot. And until you've done it, you really cannot understand how much of a lot it really is you know so yeah. of course just being nearby stuff- just being nearby some of this stuff sometimes i'm like oof, i'm exhausted <laughs> it is a lot um so you know uh it is what it is it is what it is you're not meant to get along with everybody in life you don't like everybody in life and and that's fine yeah but that's because i know best so that's okay <laughs> but um it one thing that was really kind of different about the british version of the show and is even in the the new series so far from the one episode that's been on is that there's a a more pleasant tone overall although you didn't really get to and you had that kind of thing going through it uh, that we talked about but there's sort of a not a gentleness but i don't know there's something a little more altogether now if you will if i can borrow the the yeah yeah no absolutely i mean our series, particularly, um, I think we were all just so grateful to be there to start with. And um, I am, I'm, it's just part of how I work that I want everybody to be good. You know, yeah. I don't want anybody to go out there and be bad. That's sure. not what I want for anybody um, because I've done it so much myself and I know how horrendous that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just get out on stage and totally suck. Uh, so, and I think that most of us there wanted the same for each other. You know, we wanted each other to be as good as we possibly could be. Yeah. Um, partly because it was the first series. So it's the first time that the whole world is getting to see UK drag. So, you know, not only are you in this crazy competition, but you also have that pressure of this is the first time the whole world is going to see UK drag and you cannot fuck it up. Yeah, you sure. cannot. Right. Because otherwise... Everybody else on the drag scene is going to hate you for the rest of your life. <laughs> and that'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, did you get to see the premiere of um, the new season? Yeah, I've watched I've watched episode one. Um, I think uh, there's some interesting choices being made. <laughs> Very diplomatic way of saying it. I was <laughs> I was personally kind of uh, I was floored, really, that Joe went home. On the first, I feel like maybe you know what you're talking about—that there's some facial blindness. blindness yeah, <laughs> you know, I feel like maybe that overtook the judging panel at the same time. I think so too, or maybe they were staggered by those amazing jokes that they were telling during the runway. They were really, 
I was like, hmm, well, well, you know what, you know what it is? Uh, I guess that the life on Mars look is not really, as Michelle put it, a very commercial David Bowie look. It's one of his more obscure ones. I don't know quite what that was about. Uh, but No, that's insane. <laughs> you know. are absolutely insane if that is what you genuinely think. You know, yes. like, what the hell? Yeah. What the actual hell are you going on about? Yeah, no. <laughs> one of the most famous albums in the entire world. One of the most famous images of it, David Bowie. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, I'm just not not really getting <laughs> not David yet. Bowie from this. <laughs> really? I mean, that's interesting. What what might you be getting from it then? What, if not David Bowie? I uh, uh yeah. Um I'm getting orphan Annie. That's, <laughs> I'm getting more Annie from this. <laughs> right. You know the ginger wig is what threw me. Yeah, that's you know you're very right. <laughs> Usually if I see any uh female presenting performer with a, a ginger uh wig or anything i'm like oh it's annie i missed the production yeah. of annie how exciting yeah. it's a hard knock life after all right and, so and you're just waiting for that rousing chorus <laughs> come out. yes come on curly head ginger girl yes <laughs> yes yes come through daddy warbucks <laughs> <laughs> i'm excited to I see mean, what uh, yeah. oh go ahead go ahead just bizarre, bizarre, bizarre feedback. I think, though, sometimes there is an element of that on the first episode of every series. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just that first time you're sitting down. It's the first time you're seeing all of these people. Um, and so sometimes it's just like an overload of information. Mm -hmm. And you're just scrabbling for something to say about these people. No, that makes a lot of sense because even uh, watching the show, at first, sometimes you're like, wait, who, what's... Uh, mm. what's everyone's name you know sometimes there you'll be mixing up two or three of the people just on first blush and then of course you get the makeup so it's like everyone's in Halloween so it's like they're in the costume they're not in costume and then they're doing a look that's very specific to something else and all of that so sometimes it takes you by uh, the second or third episode to uh, to get into the uh... but that's us as a viewer not a judge but anyway moving along because we're big we love I mean, Michelle yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah. my favorite of line of course. course was roses are red and Michelle's a whore which uh, I know it's been used before but it's it's a solid joke Back to your singing, though. Uh, when did you start <laughs> singing? Because you've been singing quite a long time, right? Yeah, I'd. Um, one of my earliest memories is being in um, assembly. Do you have assemblies? Well, you would, wouldn't you? I think so, but maybe they're slightly different. Than so, the like British school, version. everyone gets together in the main hall, and you sing. You know the the Christian tub thumping top of the charts okay you know like morning is broken go tell it on the mountain <laughs> uh you know the real come on this is a, a primary school classic here <laughs> um and and the head teacher saying oh we've got a Pavarotti in the audience and and gesturing to me so oh, I must okay. have been like go tell it on the mountain <laughs> yeah like real going for it yeah um I didn't know who Pavarotti was, but I was I knew that I was being pointed out and was embarrassed about that. Not embarrassed enough to stop, though. That's the key. So oftentimes yeah. people get too embarrassed and they go <laughs> hide in the corner, but not you. That's good. So then nope. after that, what was the next step for singing? You just continued? Yeah. So uh, continued all the way through um, junior and primary school, singing all of the as many solos in that choir as I could possibly get my hands <laughs> and my chops around. Yeah. Um, doing stuff 
uh, with Am Dram stuff, you know, all the local shows and at church yeah. and then uh, joining different choirs. And um, and then I was so lucky. Um, the high school that I went to, the music department was really well run. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was a, like an integral part of the school. It generated quite a lot of money from um, concerts that it did every uh, it was kind of every term. So there'd be like four concerts every single year. So a lot of pressure for music teachers. Yeah. Um, but we got this uh, new fl- flute teacher who also just happened to have been uh, found a member, member of Opera North and been an international soprano. So oh, she wow. also was, yeah, she was also teaching singing. Um, Alison Price Jones, who probably one of the most inspirational people that I've ever met in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Like, Hands down, one of the best people I've ever met. Um, I cannot praise her enough. Um, And so at 15, she arrives at the school and then starts teaching me. And so I do my grades in my singing. um, And uh, she and her husband set up uh, a like residential choir. So I join that. I'm too old to join it, but I join it anyway. (laughs) Um, you can bend the rules to, every once in a while. There's yeah, no uh, problem yeah, exactly. there, right? I mean, they just pretended that I was there as a helper. So I would, <laughs> I was in, I was like the librarian or something. You know? right. So yeah. I would hand out people's music and then collect it in at the end of the course. There we go. I did a job. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, just brilliant. And and then from there, just carried on having singing lessons with various different people. You know, when I moved on and um, and did 20th century music at university as part of my course mm-hmm. so I was doing dance and drama and then I did this 20th century music stuff um, which is like John Cage and just completely crazy oh, okay all the experimental stuff for those yeah. listening that might not be familiar with John Cage one of his most famous works I, I think it's 444 is that correct yes where it, it's just silence just silence that, and people yeah. perform it it's often performed at get-togethers where they do stuff like this and people just sit yeah. on stage and uh Open the piano. Oh, that's right. Sit on the bench. Yeah. Sit there for the for the time. <laughs> <laughs> and he did other stuff too that actually involves sound. So Yeah, less, absolutely. Yeah. So the the piece that I did was for prepared piano. So shoving bits of rubber tubing into the piano <laughs> and then uh, the the accompanist would play on this <laughs> like that. Um and I had this terrifying accompanist, Tatiana. So my teacher, my singing teacher was really, really scary, Karen. Um, and then Tatiana was whole next level terrifying. Wow, okay. Eastern European, Russian woman, jet black hair, drove a Mercedes, yeah. married to a rich doctor. Like everything you want a Russian woman to be, <laughs> sky high heels. And then she'd be like, dung, 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 dung. and I'd be like, and she'd go, no, you sing wrong. You sing again. Dung, 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 dung. And I'd be like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Um, but she, I mean, she was in, incredible. And then like probably one of the most amazing uh pianist that i've ever met I'm yeah a pianist yeah um, <laughs> and you've met a lot the, of the, amazing penises as well so i, I really you, have yeah yeah i've been very very lucky very lucky <laughs> to have met Hashtag. so many people <laughs> it, it sounds like you were going to the academy in suspiria if um it was a music academy and not a dance academy which is nice yeah that's 
that's exactly what it was. <laughs> me and me and my very robust knees. <laughs> well, you were doing the dance as well. So exactly. When was the first time that you were performing outside of school? Um. I mean, we were doing stuff all through uh, university, but I'd I'd been performing outside of school from about kind of seven or eight. Oh, wow. Okay. I remember going, I remember auditioning for um, Oliver mm-hmm. and I would have been 11, maybe 12, something like that. And I had quite long hair, like shoulder length hair. Yeah. Um, and I walked into the uh, audition room and everybody's already sat down. Like I was late. I was always late to everything. I'm not now. Like that has been beaten out of me. And I'm so crazy about time that I'm like three hours early for everything. Oh, okay. Sure. Um, but I, so I'm late. So everybody's already in the room, sat down on the chairs and there's somebody on the stage and I walk in and the guy at the front was like, hi, can I help you? And I was like, I'm here for the audition. And he was like, the girls were yesterday. And I was like, I know. I'm a boy. <laughs> so, you know, I've been misgendered my entire life. And sure. that's okay with me. I don't yeah. care. Um, so that was like one of the first sort of bigger things that I did that was away from like my brothers and sisters or, you know, anybody else, you know, that support network. Yeah. Um, and it was also one of the first times that I got a real taste of what show business could be like ah okay because uh, i was made the understudy Mm -hmm. because oliver uh had dyed his hair blonde oh okay so (laughs) then you had to fill in uh he was that oliver was then had to be taken away no he just kept dyeing his hair blonde but then the week before um the show uh his voice had started to break Oh yeah, not good for the, not good for the uh not great for Oliver. Yeah. I mean, where is love going? Where is love? <laughs> it doesn't quite have the same thing. Yeah, it? right, right. Um and they were like, "Oh, well, if you have to do this next week, can you?" And I was like, "No, you didn't give me a script." <laughs> That's kind of an oversight <laughs> on their part. You asked me to understudy and didn't give me a script. So <laughs> No. Um, yeah, that was that, you know, one of the first lessons in rejection because I didn't look the way I was supposed to. Ah, OK. Yeah. Now, did you have many more of those around uh, when you were young? No, no. I kind of I, I learned very early that, you know, uh, I look like Gollum and I should probably just audition for for parts where you look like Gollum. <laughs> I'd, I'd say that be, that's being uh, far too harsh on yourself. But um, I, I remember in another interview that I uh, watched of yours that you said that early on you realized the non-binary thing, kind of. Maybe mm. you didn't know what it was called then, but you, you indicated that the Oliver moment was maybe something to do with that. But Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd always been kind of dressing up in girls' clothes and I was always more interested in in women's fashion and then I'd always been drawing this uh, picture of a woman as well and then it was only like a couple of years ago we made this musical uh, Dancing Bear and and I realized I'd been drawing Davina when I was like eight <laughs> so I've been right? drawing this person with this big red curly hair yeah. and massive tits and then <laughs> what have I done in my life oh I've made myself into this <laughs> picture <laughs> 
Um, well, it's funny. Sometimes you look back and you realize, you know, you dig through some old stuff or you realize, oh, wait, I was obsessed. Like, for instance, with me, I, re- I, I, I got re-obsessed with the Bee Gees after watching okay. that recent documentary. And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, I, I mean, I've been obsessed with them at various times in my life throughout the years. But, you know, like things that you like when you're little, more often, more often than not, you're, you know, you're going to like them now as well. Yeah. So clearly I liked women with big tits and hair. <laughs> Who doesn't? Who doesn't, right? <laughs> so, so, so then you did Oliver. And then what about performing in clubs and all of that? Yeah, that came after university. So um, I'd met my now husband. I'd met him. I went off to North Wales to do uh, dance development officer. So community dance work um, all around North Wales. Um, and he's like, you're earning no money. Mm-hmm. You can sing, you can dance. Eh, you're not that funny, but sometimes you are. <laughs> Maybe you should try drag yeah. because, you know, if you if you put an act together, you can earn £150 a night, say, you yeah. know, for, for going on and doing a cabaret act. I mean, anybody advising you to do drag because you're going to earn money, <laughs> don't believe them. It's a lie. Uh, so uh, from kind of 21 until 24, 25, I absolutely did not earn any money out of doing drag, none whatsoever. I earned a lot more money working as a dancer or as an actor. Um, so that's where I started performing in clubs. I was, I think I was like 20. Two, mm-hmm. but my first performance, like after university, um, was uh, in a place called Bettersea Coid, which is just at the the bottom of um, Snowdonia. So Snowdon, like the mountain in north North Wales. Okay, yeah. Bettersea Coid is like this little mining village, and they've got a bridge that people jump off, and if the water's not high enough, people break their legs and drown in it. It's stupid. <laughs> so uh, it's a, a vacation destination spot. It's sort of Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If you'd like a trip to A&E, get on that bridge and jump <laughs> off. Perfect. Um, and there was like a an alternative artsy event going on. And I was like, oh, well, I could, maybe I could do a, a drag thing here. So I borrowed a blue cocktail frock and a feather headdress mm-hmm. and I had stolen a friend of mine's shoes a couple of years previously. <laughs> um, and uh, I sang um, Viedmung, which is uh, some Schubert. It's like this, the piano part to it is absolutely mental, though it's really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And so for the like three weeks running up to it, I'm saying I, we need to get the music to the pianist because like it's it is hard. It's, you know, it's not an easy piece. And, yeah. and they just kept going. She's an amazing. <laughs> she's amazing. She is brilliant. <laughs> and then I mean, as if I don't know what I'm talking about. Right. OK, just ignore me. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, I turn up on the day. She looks at the music and she's like, OK, I've got really brown knickers now because. <laughs> I, ha, well, mm, yeah. Okay, uh. yeah. So I was like, OK, we're going to do this like a Morecambe and Wise sketch. So I'm going to be the diva and you're going to be the incompetent, incompetent pianist. Perfect. OK, yeah. so j- just remember, it's not you. It's not your ability. It's a character. And so we did it like that. Um, and I, um, like at the end of it, I used to be able to do this thing where I could um, 
sit on a note and then just hold it for like a minute and a half. Oh, wow. You know, so you, there's a, a way where you can just get your breath to kind of just sit on top of the, the fold and it'll just keep the sound going. Oh, wow. And as long as you don't disturb yourself, you can just kind of <laughs> keep it flowing out there. So now, just to let me ask, is that the thing that they, it's called circular breathing? Because I, I don't know what that is and I don't know if it's related to that, but I'm curious. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to do circular breathing. Um, uh, it could be related to that. This is just like, I'm just going to use the breath that I've got in my body okay. and just keep it going. Yeah. Like circular breathing for me is more about, um, it's not, but for me, it's more about working in a, a a choir so everybody okay. takes a breath at a different time and that's how you just oh keep okay going sure okay so um, there's a couple different definitions for it but this is a different thing anyway I, not to yeah. not to derail this your thing um, I, I mean i don't know i i don't think i can do it anymore i haven't tried to do it anymore you know i i used to be really uh technically capable with my voice now i'm a lazy bitch and I do <laughs> call it, so. um so i i kind of we did this whole skit thing and then I just went gah, gah, gah. I just held this note forever and ever and ever and ever. You know, like, have you heard the duet that um Judy does on um clang, clang, clang when the trolley Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she holds that note at the end. I mean you can hear the cut in it where yep. <laughs> <laughs> and hear the cheap. Yeah. Well, it's like incredible. It's a yeah. like thirty-five seconds, or, of just or like Streisand on "Woman in Love." Yeah, that exactly. Which might be multi-track. Who knows? But like, still, yeah. that's that idea. Yeah, I mean, probably what I'm doing with my voice is more like uh, Streisand because she has that kind of. Uh, it's like a whispery, right, right, thing going on. Um, Anyway, so I just hold this note and that was it. I, I had the book. I was like, okay, there is something here that I can turn into something else. Um, like I'd done a couple of bits and pieces, but that was the night where I was like, okay, this is what I'm interested in. Yeah. Put me in a cocktail frock and let me sing some ridiculous uh, classical music yeah. and make fun. This is where I'm interested. This is this is what I think could be um, uh, a a decent act and career path for me. So that was really um, the birth of the whole thing because you had to make the best of the situation at the time, right? And you hadn't yeah. really worked off script before, I'm guessing, because, you know, you've done Oliver, you've done a lot of stuff like that and maybe sung, you know, uh, extemporaneously, but this was the first night that that fused together. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was also like one of the first places where I was, uh, watching lots of other people doing things that they're genuinely really great at. Sure. You know, it was sure. A, an experimental arts evening. So there was loads of different crazy shit going on. Yeah. Um, and I was like the bit of frou-frou at the end, <laughs> um, which was joyous. Like I had a great time doing it. And that led on to other bits and pieces and, and uh, trying out more experimental work versus kind of classical things that are twisted or um and then like the pubs and clubs stuff that changed what i was doing because nobody wants to listen to you know some italian aria on a friday night at half past nine <laughs> in stoke they're not interested <laughs> they're like where's my bitter 
Yeah. <laughs> where's my book scratchings and where's my Beyonce? Okay. That's all I want. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, so that then kind of helped me go, okay, this is, some of it is about where you're put, placing things. Mm-hmm. So if I'm doing it in a theatre situation, then actually I can do that classical stuff and I can, you know, play with the, that characterization thing. But on a Friday night in Stoke-on-Trent, that does not work. Yeah, it has to sure, be sure. a bit more accessible. Uh, yeah, sure. Well, it's just like a DJing or something. You know, yeah, it, exactly. it's situationally dependent and you can feel it in the uh, in the moment and in the venue in particular. Yeah. yeah. And just like, you know, uh, Deschamps bog on the wall. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. If it's in a if it's in a a, a studio space, you go, oh, what an interesting, exciting piece of work this is. <laughs> but then you go, you know, down the corridor and through the men's, and you're like, oh, it's the pisser. Great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. What's that old expression? Something about the the frame actually makes it the art yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the framing. It is. Yeah. It's about where you place it. Yeah. Now, in terms of inspirations, I, I know that your name or your name is alleged to be uh, derived from your love of divine. Yeah, divine and Maria Callas. Oh, so okay. it's a, a conglomeration of the two. Um, so uh, divine was like a big inspiration for me. Like I remember listening to you think you're a man, but you're only a boy um, in gay bars. You know, yeah. I'm 15, 16. And then this comes on and you're like, what the hell is this? This is <laughs> tits. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's I, no mistaking any of divine stuff, right? You're like, oh, I know who made this, what it's about, yeah. who it's for. Oh, <laughs> I'm not sure who this is. Yeah. Uh, no, absolutely. You know exactly who it is. Um, which is, you know, the the kind of power of divine. Right. What an, an what an amazing amazing force. Oh, yeah. Divine was, um, and then Maria Callas was called La Divina. Mm. Okay. That was her nickname. So yeah. when she performed at La Scala, they used to like uh, sopranos or singers who were extraordinary. You know, they they used to give them names. So um, so that was the name that she was given because she was just so extraordinary. Yeah. Um, so they called her La Divina, um, which just means divine. So it's just Italian for divine. Yeah. And then that also tells you that there's going to be some kind of foreign language muck going on in my act, you know? <laughs> yeah, a little indicator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, about music uh, that you like, Besides the classical stuff, what stuff were you listening to, uh, I guess, in your youth or maybe the first kind of uh, music that grabbed you? Um, I mean, I was really sheltered from pop music. You know, I didn't really kind of get into pop music till I was like 14, 15. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas most of my contemporaries had been like, you know, they were really into pop music and knew all the words and all of that stuff. It wasn't really my thing. I was busy singing musical theater stuff and um classical stuff and church music. Sure. You know, I yeah. was singing lots of church stuff. Um, so, and choral. Oh, I was singing so much choral music as well. And that's so, a lot. So Basically, your your plate is full when you have that yeah, much exactly. music going I was, on. Yeah, I was busy looking at that stuff rather than going, okay, who's Bananarama? Who are these spy <laughs> skills? What's that about? Yeah. Um, so the first people that I kind of really got into, my first CD... Um, the first kind of CD that I remember was uh, Cheryl Crow. Mm -hmm. And it's a grey cover and it's got um, 
Run, baby, run, oh, baby, sure. run, baby, run, baby, run. You know, it's that one. And I rinsed that album, like absolutely rinsed yeah. it. Um, so it was her and then um, Celine Dion. Oh, okay, yeah. Celine Dion was like, okay, this is, this is, this is, this is, <laughs> this, this is Celine Dion. Oh, my God. Yeah. Have, have I talked to you about Celine Dion? <laughs> oh, my God. Celine Dion? Oh, my God. Have you heard this, by um, the way? Have you heard it this time? Have you heard? Yeah. <laughs> did, did you hear Think Twice? Have you heard about that? Have we talked about Think Twice yet? <laughs> we should talk about Think Twice. Actually, I should play um, it for you again. Now, yeah, and because or, to refresh your memory, make sure. Like, yeah. Ob, like, obsessed. Mm. Just because I'd never... Uh, sort of heard somebody using their voice in that way. You know, it's much more like an instrument yeah. than like somebody singing a song. You know, sure. the way that she's uh, using her um, soft palette and the placement and and then all that other stuff. And then I discovered her Live in Paris album mm-hmm. where, I mean, it's been done before, but she's like mimicking everybody's instrument as she introduces them. Oh, so okay. she's like, Henri yeah. Pete! and you're like oh my god this is amazing um imagine if she did peter and the wolf and she did all the instruments that'd be great (laughs) in her narration style too in that slightly like overexcited like and then (laughs) and i don't really understand anything about what's going on i'm completely crazy <laughs> Watching her on uh, the musical, the wheel of musical, uh, you know, on Saturday Night Live, where she's doing the musical impersonations thing. The, what oh, do they call it? The, oh, um, I don't. With Johnny, what's his face? She hasn't a clue what's going on. Okay. You know, so he's like, okay, we want you to sing um, uh, the wheels on the bus in the style of Rihanna. Oh, and right. And she's like, okay, okay. Wheels on the bus. Okay. And you're like, okay, you have no idea what the premise of this game is, but I love it. I love it. Yeah. yeah it's just completely bonkers. Um, and so her, and then that led me on to Whitney and Mariah. Uh, you know, it was all the big, like the big singers. Sure. I was kind of hooked into all with tremendous ranges like yourself as well so i mean yeah i mean incredible ranges the yeah. lot of them whitney when she's have you seen the video she's doing a concert and she's there with placido um no she's there with who's the fat one who's dead <laughs> <laughs> only the most famous tenor Wait, in the world pavarotti pavarotti okay yeah. she's there with pavarotti and he's like oh sing a little bit of this and she just is like <laughs> and you're like fucking hell Whitney Houston oh my god yeah you know it's it's just amazing um, by the way uh, there's a terrible film starring Pavarotti it's a romantic comedy I'll have to send it to you it's legitimately one of the worst things I've ever seen and I like a terrible film but this is almost unendurable and he plays a really just loathsome misogynistic character on top of it and he cannot act at all it's not you know like when you see i don't know bowie in a film or even like a mediocre musician actor where you're like oh it's kind of cool because i'm seeing them and they're only for five minutes he's the star yeah oof oh but there's a lot of there's a lot of singing in it so that's that's good yeah Yeah. um but it's a glacial pace i'll say the film 
I, I, I'm looking forward to watching this. It'll be Pavarotti's Yentl. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Streisand's funny with the films because some of her movies are so incredibly good. And then there's like one or two that you're like, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. But you know, that's that's what it is about making art, isn't it? You've yeah. just got to take the risk. And sometimes it'll pay off. And other times you go, that was a sack of shit, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, well, yeah. move on. That's true. You really got to take a big swing and then hopefully, I don't know the rest of the baseball metaphor is. I know it's you swing and then I guess it's a home runner or something else, whatever the thing is. I think you put it in your mouth. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's that's what it is. I forgot about that. That's right. That's right. See, I don't know sports as well as you, so I didn't know where to go with that. You mentioned your teachers before and how impactful they were on you, and you've done a lot of work in schools, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've done uh, lots and lots of educational work in loads of different settings. So I've, I've done all the way from like teeny tiny tots you know, two and three, all the way up to university, um, running workshops and um, stuff like that with university kids. Um, And it's always been a big part of my uh, work, actually, Mm -hmm. you know, that I've I've been educating or um, facilitating and helping people to grow. You know, so even even when I stopped teaching full time, um, I was still, you know, like the i don't have like a, a drag family as such like i'm not a mother okay i have like sisters and we all support each other and go you know what have you thought about doing this because sure. that was really great and actually if you think about like maybe this stuff that would that would probably help even more mm-hmm. um and so we we i've tried to build up a a culture with the people that i work with to do that because when I started, that was not the culture that I was in. Oh, that was okay. not it at all. A little less um, friendly, maybe, than... Uh... Oh, my God! <laughs> I mean, anybody who has worked with an established queen, and you're the new one, knows exactly what it's like. You know, the established queen is... Because everybody's, you know, just a week away from being sacked, aren't you? Um, <laughs> in a job like that. Yeah, so sure. So if yeah. somebody is younger and prettier and can kick their legs higher, whether they're better at the job or not, if they're 20 quid cheaper than you are, so long, sailor. Thanks <laughs> sure. and goodbye. Yeah. You know? Um, so they definitely weren't that friendly with me to start with. Um, and then they all lost their jobs and I took over. So they were right not to be friendly. Um, <laughs> right, right. They were on the right track, actually. And uh, yeah. <laughs> but that kind of the culture there was that they would, um, to your face, say, amazing. That was so good. And you'd be thinking, it was terrible. Yeah. I was diabolical. That was awful. And then they would slag you off behind your back instead of saying, you know what, maybe if you did a bit of this or maybe if you just rehearsed a bit more before mm-hmm. you went on stage, that would probably help. Yeah. Now, wh- as you as you got better, did that did those type of performers stop with the praise? Because it's funny how effusive with praise people can be when they're sort of telling you a lie. But then when you're cottoning on to things, suddenly they're not as communicative. Yeah, they we just stopped working together. Actually, oh, that always they sort of yeah, yeah they dropped off the radar. Mm. Um, by the time I started to get good, I, like I went to, I spent, I'd done two years in drag already, and then I did six months out in Ibiza, and um, when I came back, my makeup was drastically different. Mm-hmm. You know, so before I went, it was really um, 
I thought I was really edgy and experimental. I had square eyebrows and they were like the top of my forehead, you know, like the absolute top just before it meets my hard front wig. Um, so, uh, you know, I thought I was like, ah, oh, this is, I'm really challenging the gender heteronormativity. Right. Fuck you, binary <laughs> bastards. No, it was just hideous. Like I just looked hideous. Um, and it wasn't really doing what I wanted it to do either. That okay. was the thing. Yeah. So then when I came back from Ibiza that first time, my makeup was drastically different, like much, much improved. Still not good, but much improved. <laughs> um, which at that point, then it was better than what they were doing. Sure. Gotcha. Because they, yeah. you know, they were proper old school, sequin frock, budgie blue, bright red lip, same color foundation, no contour, no blush done yeah put your wig on out you go and frozen um, in terms of progress like that's it we don't have to develop this any further because we have our thing and that's that yeah absolutely um and it was probably that year or the next year that drag race sort of hit as well in the uk because oh, we had okay. it on i think it was channel four that screened it here mm-hmm. um the first series and you know seeing nina flowers you just go oh <laughs> <laughs> that 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 yeah that, that is, is. <laughs> oh wait a minute yeah yeah oh you know i mean i still can't do makeup like nina flowers i'm i there's no point me who can though I've i mean you know face. that's yeah. not uh yeah she you know she's just some something else she's just something else <laughs> uh so, yeah, it definitely wasn't like a supportive environment. So then when I started to make things, um, like I started off doing a, a charity night and uh, we got, I organized it all and we sold tickets and we were raising money for the local pride. And um, I got, I managed to get as a mystery celebrity guest who was just somebody who'd been on Britain's Got Talent. You know, it was that kind of, <laughs> they've been on a TV show for 10 minutes and now they're going to come and do this. Sure. Um, and 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 people responded really well to it. And it allowed me as well to try out different things, you mm-hmm. know, try out new material and yeah. things which wouldn't necessarily work in the, ta- you know, it was a tiny little stage in the pub. Sure. So in the nightclub where we're holding this charity night, it allowed me to try out bigger scale stuff. Right. Um, and that kind of gave me the confidence to go, I do know what I'm doing. Yeah. Wait right. a minute. I know how to <laughs> choreograph stuff. I know how to sing. Yeah. I know what kind of look I want from this. I do know what I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> Let's do more of that. Right. Um, right. And then, you know, from from that, it helped me to build a little community of other performers. And then we, when we moved nightclub, um, I I tried to keep as many of those on rotation and uh, as part of the Saturday shows that we would put on. Now, would this be um, a kiki? Well, so we started at the club. The club shut down. Then we moved to the factory, still in Stoke-on-Trent. We did four years there. Um, and then we moved to Kiki. Okay. Um, and so Kiki was a bit different to the factory because um, I wasn't able to build the same kind of uh, community you know, network as I had in uh, Stoke, purely because Stoke was like a fishbowl, oh, okay. a tiny little scene. Yeah. 
not so many people um and the audience basically had nowhere else to go <laughs> <laughs> always good so, for woodshedding moments yeah exactly so uh saturday night where else are you gonna go <laughs> well they've got a show on and there's nothing else happening in town let's go watch that yeah it's free in before half before 10 oh, so perfect. the show is yeah. at 10 and free in before 10 so, so back by 10 <laughs> exactly every week half past nine in they come yeah nice sit down get your drinks very good show start um <laughs> And I'd always been really strict about the start times as well. Like most drag queens are like, oh, well, we'll just wait. We'll wait. We'll wait until people are here. And I'm like, no, it's 10 o'clock. Show starts at 10. Yeah. Because then we open upstairs at 11 and that's how it's going to run. We tell them what the time is and then it makes a culture of the audience as well. That yeah. They're going to turn up at that time. If you move things back all the time, they just go, well, we don't know when the show is. It's probably not until 12 o'clock tonight. So, right. Yeah, um, exactly. Rather than yeah. the, the way that you made it, which is, oh, shit, we got there at 1015 last time and the show was already rolling. I don't want to miss it yeah. this time. Yeah, because they did that one number that I absolutely love and I'm fuming that I missed yeah, it. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, so then moving to Manchester, that was like a different scenario because one, there's like a hundred different venues that people can go to. Okay, sure. And and then two, we weren't doing it on a Saturday night. We were doing it on a Sunday afternoon. So Sundays in Manchester is like a cabaret. Um, you know, there's like a bar hop. You go from okay. one to another, to another, to sure. another, to another, to another. But our venue was not, uh, it did not have a great reputation when we first opened because mm-hmm. it, it, it had been another nightclub before we got there and... Uh, they'd been selling drugs over the bar. There was never anybody in. Like you would literally just go in to buy your drugs over the bar and leave. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. and way, like when we do you know where those, op- do you know where those proprietors have moved on to? Because I am coming back to London. <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> when we opened up, uh, there was this fixed seating all along the back wall, and I have never in my entire life seen so many small snapbacks ever <laughs> just stuffed into this wow. yeah. thousands and thousands and thousands of these little plastic bags i was like what are these from what did well, they like, stuff these in there because there's a, a it's creaky or something like it's making noise <laughs> so they jammed it in there <laughs> <laughs> i think that's probably what it was yeah it, just it, extra padding that's what it is yeah sometimes you just use what's around and yeah. it is funny how people dispose of drug stuff, though. They just like they want to do it in the most semi-obvious way, and like in certain places, it's they don't go to the trash can. It's like they got to smear it somewhere. Yeah, just throw it there. There we go. Yeah, perfect. There it is. Perfect in a public place. Yeah. Yeah, great. Love that for you. <laughs> but are hell? you okay on time? Are you are you good? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Okay, good, 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 good. Um, so we did we when we moved to Manchester. Yeah. So my. Um, my sister Cherry who had been working with me in Stoke um, and we'd met and then I'd got sacked it's the only job I ever got sacked from <laughs> and it wasn't even my fault well, wasn't even my fault what happened um, we were working as dancers in uh, a nightclub and just boy dancers so there was like three girl dancers and two boy dancers rough as hell like Hanley was rough 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 yeah and it was a straight bar so both of us are just getting called faggot all the time and queer and all of that stuff and I'm like yeah I am (laughs) come on um you know just 
I just want to get paid, mate. Um, and then they auditioned this other girl after they told somebody else that they couldn't have a job because there wasn't space. So they were auditioning this other girl who she wasn't a dancer. She was just a, a member of bar staff. There wasn't a job for her. You okay. Know, it wasn't yeah. a thing. Um, and everybody's going off in the dressing room about it. Why? Why would they do this? She's rubbish. Look at her. She's disgusting. She hasn't even brushed her hair. Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I don't know what you're on about. There's not even a job for her. Like, mm-hmm. it's already full. Yeah. And then everybody had forgotten that this girl was in the dressing room, uh, in the shower room, getting changed. So she oh. heard all of this. Oof. So, of course, she comes out and she's crying. She goes to the manager and the manager comes in and goes, right, everybody get your stuff. You're out. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't even do anything. I I mean, yeah. yes, I'm super gay and I'm not right to work here, but don't sack me. <laughs> I was trying so, to defend her. Yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I wasn't really. I was no, saying she but, has got uh, hope in hell, but I could have said, I, yeah, I was trying to defend you. Yeah, no, it really, it was, I'm more confused. Look, I was confused. I didn't even know what they were talking about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But then you moved on from there anyway, so. Exactly. So, uh, Cherry has worked with me then at the factory and then we move to Manchester and I'm like, Cherry, you should come and do the Sundays with me in Manchester. Um, so she's still doing shows in Stoke and then she's like, okay, that's kind of not happening. I'll come up to Manchester. Um, so she gets a job at the Birdcage. We both auditioned for this job and the woman who was in charge of it was like, I can only take one. I really want to take both of you but I can only take one. And I was like, well, look, I've already got three days of drag work. Yeah. So give the job to Cherry. And then if something else opens up, great. If it doesn't, that's fine. Yeah. Or if, you know, if you need a stand in or, you know, whatever, I'll come and do that. And she was like, oh, I love you both. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) All right, whatever. (laughs) Just give her the job. Yeah, yeah. Um, So then Cherry's got like enough regular income for her to move to Manchester. So we're then doing the Sunday shows at Kiki together and we're getting other people in on rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, it just never really took off in the way that I was hoping it would. Oh, okay. I think I think because of the time and the venue, like the venue is a weird shape. Yeah, sure. And, and it also has these enormous windows. So it's always really light. Oh, that's, yeah, that's inside. a weird thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really weird. And plus where the audience have to, had to stand was kind of right by the front doors. So never good. If your cigarette if your cigarette break act comes on, you're like, oh, we'll go have a fag outside. And then you're outside and then you're like, should we go somewhere else for a drink? Let's go somewhere <laughs> else for a drink. And I've lost you then. I'm like, I'm back. Oh, my audience have left. Yeah. What have you done to me? Right. Um, right. Yeah, the layout and everything is so important, really. I mean, yeah, especially when doing a show. Like if mm-hmm. it if it's not right, it just won't work. Mm-hmm. So so it never really took off there, but Kiki was an amazing venue and we did some great stuff there and had some great nights and, um, you know, super, super lucky. And the weird thing was, apart from the Sundays, I didn't really work there after probably the first year. I was then working down the street at another nightclub uh, every Friday and every Sunday um, doing a show there. And then also every Wednesday doing um a, uh, it's called the thousand pound drop, which is like the million pound drop, but a thousand pounds. Oh, the drag version. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
cheap. Um, <laughs> so for for folks outside of uh, the UK, that's just describe what the million pound drop is. Uh, so the million pound drop is it's just a quiz show, and you just have to enter. Uh, you have to enter. You have to answer. Um, I. You have, I think to it's ans- like you have to enter an answer. That's okay. Yeah, exactly. You have to answer a question by placing your money on top of the answer that you think it is. Okay. And if it's yeah. if it's not the right answer, the money drops and then you've lost it. It's gone. <laughs> you can't split the money, um, but you can only split it so many times, mm-hmm. and then you know. So, um, so we did our own version of that, um, and that was great. And working in, it was called AXM. It's closed down now. Uh, I left and then it shut down. I mean, I, I mean, you know, yeah. it happens. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. You lose your main attraction, darlings. Yeah, sorry. I mean, they're not going to come through the door. I mean, you know, they can get drinks anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> Exactly. I was on The Voice for three and a half minutes. That's what people are coming to watch. That's what they want. <laughs> yeah. So I hate to break it to you and I'm not trying to be uh, stuck up, but yeah. Now, about Without the, me, uh, this place, uh, <laughs> nothing, nothing. Now, about The Voice, what was the process of getting on The Voice like? You know what? Really, actually really lovely. For a a, a reality TV show, really, um, really, really nice. You kind of, the first day you queued up, you did the, you know, with everybody, but you weren't there for very long. You know, okay. it wasn't like Britain's Got Talent, X Factor, all of those other ones. You kind of queue up, sit in a holding room for eight hours. Then they go, okay, come with me. And then you sit in another holding room for another four hours. And then they go, okay, come with me. And you sit at the bottom of the stairs for two and a half hours. And then they finally go, okay, now that you are so dehydrated and starving that you are about to eat your own arm, can you just come and sing your song for us? That'd be great. (laughs) Right. Whereas the voice, my experience of it was not like that at all. Went in. Uh, did my bit of singing, whatever it was. They were like, okay, uh, I think you had to take like three different options. So I'd got my three little options, sang those. And and then they were like, okay, can you come back? Um, We'd like to have you back again. And then when you go back, they have like a a singing um, coach to work with you. Okay, yeah. Because they want you to be good. Yeah. You know, whereas some of the other shows... (laughs) Sure. Maybe they don't want you to be good. <laughs> Maybe it's part of the fun for them. Um, yeah, so they genuinely were really supportive and, and wanted you to be good. Um, three or four different meetings like that, going and seeing a psychanalyst. Um, and she was like, okay, tell me um, what will happen if the judges turn around their chairs. And I was like, I know why I'm here. They're not going to turn around their chairs. I've <laughs> I've brought this song because I know they're not going to turn around their chairs and that will cause more of a furore for me than leaving in week three. There you go. It's very smart, actually. And um, matter of fact, what we were talking about before, Joe, even though Joe would, you know, people would still be thoroughly enamored of Joe, whatever episode Joe left on, when you leave um, perhaps unfairly or, you know, not, uh, you know, in the minds of the viewer, it does create an impact. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and the other thing to me for Joe is that out, out of everybody on on that uh, in that series, who is the person that that is going to least affect in terms of their career? Yeah, absolutely. Like, 
he's established. He already has a great following. He's mm-hmm. already touring internationally and right. at this festival and that festival and hosting this and doing that, you know, so um, and already selling out shows. Right. You know, so right. people already are following him and he already has a, a fan base as such. So and you saw the reaction from everybody in the room. Yes. Yes. Everybody Complete was shock. like, yeah. Oh my God, we love you. Yeah. Yeah. We look, you know, as soon as she walked in, yeah. everyone was like, yes, Joe. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and so that kind of speaks volumes anyway. Mm-hmm. If, if all of your compatriots and your uh, peers think that you're that good, you probably don't have that much to worry about. Absolutely. Yeah. Whereas if it had been somebody else who was less established, I think that reality TV has the possibility of, destroying your career you know That's really true. damaging yeah it's a very it's can be dangerous yeah and you have to go into doing any show like that with your eyes open and that was the thing with the voice i went in with my eyes fully open i was like i'm here as the comedy relief like i'm here for the sparkly dress and the stupid hair <laughs> to sing a song people go oh okay i wasn't expecting that yeah. this is kind of fun and silly um Great. Okay. And then they were really kind to me as well. uh, The judges, because, you know, they said, and, and the editing team actually, because they said to me, you know, do you, is this all you do? And I was like, no, because nobody wants to listen to this shit at two o'clock in the morning. (laughs) And so they were like, okay, well, what else do you do? So then I sang um, the Jesse J, Nicki Minaj, bang, bang. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, and then the band kicks in. After I've gone, she got a body like an hourglass, but I can give it to you all the time. Boom, boom, boom. And I was like, oh, my God, the band are playing. And we did no practice, no rehearsal oh, wow. or anything. Yeah. They just started playing. And I was like, okay, this is super cute. I like <laughs> it. And I was almost in tune. <laughs> <laughs> and now what we're going to do is some listener questions from the Patreon Hot Dog Club. So that'll be the end of the regular episode. For everyone listening who's not in Patreon, go sign up so you can hear the rest of this. Yeah, pay some money. Exactly. Pay some money. <laughs> Come on. Show me the green. 